This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church, welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Pastor Michael, we have a question that is really one of those hot button questions. And the question is, what is your opinion on the book and movie, The Shack? Yeah. So I've read the book, haven't seen the movie. Um, and really the movie seems to be pretty comparable from the reviews I've read. Yeah, the movie just came out a few weeks ago based on the time in which this is being recorded. So a lot of the popular issues with the book have been around um, primarily, not exclusively, primarily the theology of the Trinity. Mm. Uh, the Trinity is is viewed in ways that maybe are not the most accurate. So there are all sorts of books from C.S. Lewis to the list goes on and on that articulate aspects of the Godhead in fairy tale-esque kind of ways. Um, And so, you know, is their conception of the Trinity, the hierarchical relationship of the Trinity, the Father's leadership over the Son and the Spirit accurately reflected in that book? No, not at all. In Mm -hmm. fact, it's, it's inaccurate. Okay. Does the line, the witch in the wardrobe articulate all that accurately? No, 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 not exactly. Um, So does Lord of the Rings articulate the Godhead and the war between Satan and, and Jesus accurate? No, no. Um, But we still enjoy it and we see it for what it's worth, et cetera. Um, So that being said, my issues with the shack come down more to, when theological statements are made about salvation, that would probably be my main, main major concern. So what most people don't know is that the author is a universalist. And so what that means is he believes everybody goes to heaven or almost everybody goes to heaven. That universal redemption is universal. So there's a, um, a, a line in the, in the book that goes like this, that basically the Jesus figure um, says that, the he's the best way that anybody can relate to Papa or you know God. Yeah. He talks about Jesus regularly as being the best way. He never says the only way. And mm. so regularly, what you see in this book is this universal nature of everybody gets there. But the best life now is if you do follow follow Jesus. Um, another line in the book says, "I don't need to punish people for sin. Sin is its own punishment, devouring you from the inside. It's not my purpose to punishment. It's my joy to cure it." Well, that's doggone. Unbiblical. Unbiblical and untrue. Yeah. So, like, here's what you're going to find. Um, the people that have seen the movie have said it is one of the most emotionally moving movies because it's trying to deal with the tension between how can God be good and evil exist. Good godly men and women that I know, doctrinally sound, left the movie, and here's what they would say. They say that it moved me, my emotions. One couple said it moved us both to tears uh, because it did a great job in addressing that issue. Um the sub issues that were assumed and dealt with were wrong. Okay. But at the very least, if I'm not a Christian, it gave me a plausible scenario where God can be good and evil can still exist. Okay, fine. Um, do I have an issue with the shack? Would I encourage my non-Christian friends to read the book? No. Um, would yeah, I tell I would them really that they're going to be worse off? I would just say, no, it doesn't represent historic Christian doctrine um, in its teaching on the nature of the Godhead and salvation. Um, is it helpful and insightful when it comes to theodicy? That is a theological term for um, how can God be good and evil still exist? This, this tension between God's sovereignty and, and human free will uh, having to do with evil. Um, does it make sense of theodicy? No, it gives a plausible scenario that makes me feel better about it. I'll be honest. Like, I don't know too many Christians who are like, 
you know what? It totally makes sense how God is good and evil still exists and man's still responsible. Like nobody has ever articulated it's, that it's tension. It's hard to figure that out. Well, and so when you write a story that tries to make sense of that tension, if the story is going to be emotionally compelling to a 21st century Western American, it's going to compromise on the nature of God. The very reason this question cannot be answered well is because it is deeper than the human brain, brain in our comprehend. context and our culture can understand. So that being said, would I encourage them to watch it? No. Would I discourage them from watching it? No, I would just probably tell them it's not accurate theologically in terms yeah. of the nature of God, the nature of salvation with the historic Christian understanding. And uh, will it make them feel good? Yeah. Does it mean it's accurate? No. Would I let my kids see it? Actually, I probably would. And I would really? take that as an opportunity to look at my kids and say, uh, I would like to show you how easily people can misrepresent God. Okay. How they can say the name and even couch it in evangelical terms and yet miscommunicate because of deeper theological mm -hmm. issues. Anytime a universalist articulates the Godhead, it's going to be wrong. Yeah, well, yeah we can kind <laughs> right? of trust that. Right. I mean, it is going to be fundamentally so off base. And isn't so the whole book isn't a surprise to me. Now, if I had a naive child, kid, teenager mm -hmm. who did not have a good ability to discern, right? Maybe just was a little more simple. Um, then maybe I wouldn't expose them to it. Um, I'm looking at my children probably by the time they're 10, 11, 12, 8, 9, 10, probably most, of the, I probably all three of them, I'd be like, yeah, let's, let's watch it and let's discern together why mm -hmm. this is not accurate. Not all parents can do that with all kids because A, not all parents are discerning and B, not all kids should see it. Right. It's interesting that as you're sharing this, I'm just thinking about when this book was published, where was I at? How did I first get introduced to the book? Because I have not seen the movie and probably I will not, for lack of better words, I'll just say it waste my time by going to see this. But now, we will see Beauty and the Beast. We will see, yeah. Well, yeah. My daughter loves Beauty and the Beast and, you know, she's 29 years old. So, yeah. you know, we're still I'll go see, see a fairy tale, but not something that tries to articulate God. That's funny. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I don't disagree, actually. Yeah, it's funny, though. When this book came out, there was a big to-do about it. One of the staff pastors, I was at another church on staff, and there was another staff pastor who, he is a avid reader, and he loves to jump into the most current popular book. And he started reading through it. He and I were talking about this thing, and, uh, and I was like, so why are you wasting your time on this book? I mean, why? And he had mixed feelings about it. Now, this is the pastor who I I trust his theology. I trust his uh, worldview, his, his biblical worldview. And as we talked through this, he said, you know, he's, he makes a lot of good points. And you can tell he's got an agenda that he's he's pushing in this book. But he says, there's clearly things in this that, are not scripturally correct, but he does make a good case for the softer side of God. There are two sides of God that we have to hold in tension, the goodness of God and the holiness of God. If you take out the holiness, the righteousness of God, and you're only seeing God as the loving father, but you don't hold at the same time his righteousness, his justice, his, the fact that he cannot look upon sin, if you take that out, you've destroyed the gospel mm. because the whole point of the gospel is there had to be someone to come redeem mankind. And that could only be God, the son who would intervene and, and balance this goodness of God and righteousness of God where Jesus steps in and says, I will pay the price. 
I will be the redeemer. I will be the one. Jesus was compelled to go to the cross out of his love for us, but he went to the cross because God demanded payment for sin. So there is a major problem when you only look at one of the two. Yep. Well, like all these other movie questions, we get to look at people and say, do what you want to do. Do what you need to do. Watch out, discern, have a good theological head on your shoulders. And if you read The Shack, Mm -hmm. and no red flags theologically went off in your brain, I just want to lovingly look at you and say, you are not discerning yet. You can be, but you you need to figure out why these these red flags didn't go off in your brain. So tomorrow we have a hypothetical question, (laughs) which I think is a trip. If no one had ever sinned, would Jesus never have been incarnated or become flesh? Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) Well, let's surmise tomorrow. (laughs) Bye-bye.